What can a sponsor do if a tentpole event that the company sponsors is suddenly canceled due to force majeure? I'm Alexa Singh, an associate at Manat's Advertising, Marketing, and Media Practice. And I'm Po Yi, a partner in the same practice. And welcome to Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast. Alexa and I will be co-hosting this new podcast from Manat, where we will be exploring a broad spectrum of legal issues that marketers face with the help of various guests, both from Manat as well as outside of Manat. This is our very first episode, and for this very first episode, we asked my partner, Jesse Brody, to join us to discuss sponsorship issues. The entire world has been reeling from the devastating effects of COVID-19 these past several months. And one of the casualties in the marketing world seems to be the cancellation of live events, concerts, and sports events that companies have spent significant resources to sponsor and include in their marketing plans. Jesse and Poe both do a lot of work with brands and event producers in negotiating sponsorship contracts. And I would like to ask them a few questions about cancellation of sponsored events due to force majeure. Jesse, can you start by telling us what force majeure means in the context of sponsorships? Thanks, Alexa. First, I'd like to uh, start off by thanking you and Poe for inviting me to be your first guest on the podcast. It's a real honor, and I'm super excited to be here since this is the first time I've ever been a guest on a podcast. I'm a huge fan of podcasts, and it's so exciting. So I guess it's kind of, in general, a perfect time to be discussing force majeure as we all continue to live through a worldwide pandemic without any end in sight. I actually told my daughters the other day that they weren't going back to school in person because of a force majeure event to see what their reaction would be. And they actually asked me for make goods. So I guess this discussion- <laughs> Precocious children. <laughs> so I guess this discussion has real world application outside of the sponsorship agreement context. So anyway, let, let's jump right into the meaning of force majeure, which is really a French word that means superior force. Force majeure typically refers to an event that happens that was neither anticipated nor controllable. In the context of sponsorship agreement, it refers to a specific provision that may be included in a contract that can potentially excuse or suspend a party's non-performance when an unanticipated event or circumstance prevents a party from fulfilling its obligations. Thanks, Jesse. So how does a force majeure clause help in the context of a sponsorship agreement? The question that I've been asked time and again from clients over the last few months, is whether a force majeure clause in a sponsorship agreement can potentially excuse either an event producer's delay in delivering sponsorship rights or otherwise justify a sponsor's delay in paying for sponsorship elements that have not yet been delivered by the event producer. A party trying to invoke this clause in a sponsorship agreement will generally need to show that the act was unforeseen, that it caused performance to become impossible or impracticable. Jesse, wouldn't you say that notwithstanding the general definition of force majeure, Force majeure clauses often include a fairly specific definition of what constitutes force majeure under the contract. There are standard triggers that appear in most every force majeure provision that I see. And these include things like fire, explosion, acts of God, war, weather events such as a hurricane. But many force majeure clauses also include additional triggers that by definition can be triggered in a force majeure event under a contract. A threshold question is usually whether such trigger in fact causes the party's inability to perform. And one can't just assume that to be the case in every circumstance. Take for example, the ongoing pandemic. While it may not be advisable or smart for large groups of folks to gather and watch a sporting event right now, 
unless the government has an outright ban on such gatherings, technically it wouldn't be impossible to hold or produce an event. In addition to the specific triggers that may appear in a typical force majeure provision in a sponsorship agreement, many force majeure clauses include expansive catch-all phrases, such as like the infamous, any other cause beyond the reasonable control of a party. And so if you didn't happen to include the magic words pandemic or epidemic as a trigger in your force majeure clause, these catch-alls may provide some cover or protection if your force majeure provision wasn't overly expansive. It's worth noting, though, that many courts have not given the most expansive meaning possible to these catch-all phrases. Instead, interpreting these provisions to include only the events that are the same general kind as those specifically mentioned within the actual triggers of the force majeure provision. So, these catch-all provisions may or may not provide cover. But what happens if a contract doesn't have a force majeure clause at all? Alexa, that's a good point. The sponsorship agreement doesn't contain a force majeure provision at all, but the parties are contemplating postponement or cancellation of an event. The doctrines of impossibility or frustration of purpose may allow the parties to do so without breaching the agreement. In other words, it's really important to always include a force majeure clause in sponsorship contracts. And I would say that sponsorship contracts typically do all include some type of force majeure clause. It may not even be called force majeure clause, but I think they, uh, these contracts do typically address these issues. Yeah, sometimes um, you have to look at the termination provision. Sometimes they're in there. Other times, right. you know, there is a specific force majeure clauses, sometimes in the miscellaneous provision, but it really depends what the form that was used at the time uh, the, the contract was drafted. Right. And where I see some problems with force majeure clauses is not going into details about what happens in the event of a force majeure. So we all agree that it's not a breach, but then what happens? What are the options that are available to both contracting parties in the event of force majeure, especially in the context of sponsorships? For example, the event cannot take place as contemplated in the sponsorship contract. This, as you know, is what we've all been dealing with in the past several months, as Jesse, you mentioned earlier, relating to COVID-19. Yeah, that's right, Poe. Right now, so many of my clients, both on the brand side and especially on the live event producer side, are really struggling with the impacts caused by COVID-19. My brand clients who are sponsors of professional and college sports teams or even league sponsors have basically had anywhere from some to all of their sponsorship benefits not delivered as many games have been either canceled or postponed or changed in a significant way. I guess a good example we could point to is how many sporting events are now played without a live audience in the stadium. But leagues are still broadcasting fanless events to viewers at home. This can certainly impact some, but not all sponsorship rights, such as event tickets, event hospitality, stadium advertising. You know, I have my brand clients calling me and saying, if I'm not able to host events and invite customers or clients to the sporting event itself, the rest of these benefits I'm entitled to under the agreement are really just kind of worthless to me. While other brand clients just don't want to have to pay for elements that are not delivered or are valueless in an empty stadium, such as a vehicle display in a stadium concourse that is relevant for my automotive clients. Okay. So in this scenario, both parties agree that sponsorship rights have not been fully delivered and neither party is in breach because we're in a force majeure situation. So what does this mean for each party's rights and obligations? Well, there are several options. I'm going to talk about three options and ask Jesse to discuss those with me. The first one is make goods or substitute benefits. Second is extending the time of performance, such as extending the term or getting rollover sponsorship rights, especially when the event is postponed rather than canceled. And then of course, the third one is termination. 
there are lots and lots to talk about for each of these options. But let's start with the make goods. I think the most common form of dealing with force majeure situations. Yeah, I think that's right. Before we get into make goods, I think it's an interesting point that you that you made earlier that these things don't necessarily have to be baked into the contract in order for them to be brought up by one of the parties. I have a lot of clients who you know negotiated long contracts way before COVID-19 was even considered. And they are raising these things to event producers, regardless of whether they're in the contract. If they're not getting value for what they're paying, they're going to raise it regardless. So I think that's a key point to remember. But anyway, to the extent make goods are considered, these options can be set out in a sponsorship agreement, typically in what are known as waterfall provisions. The first option in the typical contract will provide for the provision of alternative sponsorship rights of equivalent value to be provided in the event certain rights become impossible to deliver. When negotiating make goods provision in a sponsorship contract, there are a number of things you might want to consider. Replacement rights could be negotiated up front. Replacement rights could be subject to the mutual agreement of the parties or at the sole discretion of the event producer. Another alternative you might commonly see is that the sponsor has the right to be consulted and then have agreement on what is an equivalent right under the sponsorship contract. So it's important to remember if the parties anticipate that there may be a dispute as to how much any particular sponsorship benefit is worth, because contracts typically have a total price for all the benefits, but don't break it down by amount per right, your agreement could provide for the value of the missing benefits to be determined by an independent expert. Finally, the sponsorship agreement could allow for the event producer to provide the sponsor with a number of replacement options with the sponsor being able to choose its preference. So there are a number of things you can do for make goods, but those are things that are typically um, negotiated on a case-by-case basis. Sometimes I think make goods are just not available despite the parties wish to try to come up with something that's mutually acceptable. Um, This could happen because the event is just canceled. If the event is canceled, the reason why you enter into a sponsorship agreement in the first place, it's just you can't make that up unless you move to maybe a live event moving to a virtual situation, as we have all seen recently. Or you can have rollover sponsorship rights. In other words, that you can extend the term of performance and the sponsorship rights you have for the event, you can just roll it over to next year if the event is taking place next year or every year. But for sponsors who are coming in the following year, their rights are in some ways diminished by the fact that they have to share the the rights and share the floor, so to speak, with a previous sponsor. I think this would become a big problem in an exclusivity situation if one sponsor has exclusive rights within a particular category and that sponsor is no longer going to be having exclusivity for the next sponsorship, then this would create a major problem, in which case the parties will have to determine how to negotiate, how to deal with this issue so that everybody's getting something from this unfortunate event. That's a really good point and sounds like a very messy situation. What happens if the event is just outright canceled instead of being postponed? Alexa, that's, that's happening more and more as the pandemic continues. From a sponsor's perspective, if the event is canceled or rescheduling becomes impossible or equivalent rights cannot be agreed on, the contract should provide for termination and a fee reduction or refund. Specific values could be attributed to individual rights that haven't been yet delivered or otherwise that would establish the refund that the sponsor is entitled to for the undelivered sponsorship benefits. But I think the problem there is, what is evaluation? How much money should the sponsor should be getting returned? 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of fights about that right now. We're planning to see a lot of litigation in that space. So right. Stay tuned, right? Absolutely. But I would say that one way to address that issue and plan ahead is to not have all of the fees be paid up front so that if you stagger the payment, then you wouldn't necessarily have to try to get money back, get a refund. It's much easier to not have to pay any remainder of the sponsorship fee due than try to claw back what has already been paid. So both parties have to spend a lot of time thinking through these issues and making sure that the payment schedule for the sponsorship fees and any other payments that have to be made under the contract are addressing some of these issues. I have a lot of clients struggling with that issue right now, Poe. You know, they have broken out payment schedules for multi-year sponsorship agreements where some payments are due at the beginning and they get paid across the uh, spectrum and term of the agreement. And their payments are becoming due, but events aren't happening and they're not getting any of their benefits. And so it's a real struggle right now for, for sponsors to decide, well, I have a contractual obligation to pay those for those benefits, but I'm not getting any advertising value in, in return. So can I just stop paying? And that's not an easy question to answer. Right. And I think another thing that's really interesting about that is, let's say this is a multi-year sponsorship and your sponsorship goes up every year. So if you're getting rollover rights, because as Alexa said, the event is canceled, which sponsorship fee do you have to pay? Do you have to pay the sponsorship fee for the following year, or do we have to pay the sponsorship fee for the current year? I think these are all fascinating questions. And as a practitioner in this field, I find it super, super interesting to work through these issues with clients. Yeah, it's a fun time to work in the sponsorship space, that's for sure. Let's now turn to the scenario where an event is taking place in a way that was not initially contemplated. So instead of being canceled, the live event will now be held virtually. How would this work contractually? It's a mess. It's definitely a mess. (laughs) We're, We're living through this right now. It's not the kind of thing that force review clauses and sponsorship contracts have thus far addressed, moving from live to virtual. But in the post COVID world, I imagine that this will become an important part of the party's discussion as to whether there is a possibility of that. And if there is a possibility of that, what happens with the fees? What happens with the sponsorship rights? What are substitute benefits? What are the make goods that the sponsor should be getting in the event this were to happen? Because there are different benefits that you get if you move from live to virtual. Yeah, I think that's right, Poe. Um, now that COVID-19 is at the forefront of everyone's minds, it really is certainly no longer unforeseeable that live events may move to a virtual setting or events will take place without an audience or fans. So as I continue to negotiate my clients' sponsorship agreements for upcoming events and considering we pretty much now understand many, if not all, the impacts of COVID-19 on live events, the ongoing pandemic isn't going to be covered by a generic force majeure clause in any sponsorship agreement entered into today or tomorrow. The parties should have a pretty good understanding that the ongoing pandemic could have an impact on the obligations and ability to perform under any sponsorship agreement. So with that in mind, I've been recommending to clients that knowing that COVID-19 is likely to continue for the foreseeable future, if your event is scheduled for the end of the year or even early next year, we need to address it with specific language in the contract. I just think it's, it's just so really important for the parties to plan ahead and include provisions in the agreement for these various circumstances, whether the event is canceled entirely, the event goes on without fans, or even if the event is moved to an online setting. All of these things should be considered with flexibility pretty key built into the contract. 
Absolutely. And thank you so much for your time today discussing these issues. So to wrap up, I'd like to end with hopefully two things to remember from this conversation. One is to clearly define force majeure and or contingencies that may be foreseeable but should be treated as force majeure in your contract. And secondly, delineate the effect the force majeure event would have on each party's rights and obligations under the contract, especially in the following areas. Term extension, termination right, replacement rights or make goods, ongoing payment obligations, and refunds. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. To support clients navigating the impact of COVID-19 on sponsorships and force majeure clauses, Manat has created a series of in-depth, free resources exploring these issues. To access our primer on force majeure and other excuses for contractual non-performance in the coronavirus age, our webinar on strategies to protect against non-performance, in entertainment, media, and sports, or our overview of key force majeure clauses during the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit the related resources listed in this episode's caption. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. The views expressed on the podcast reflect the personal views and opinions of the participants and are not intended to constitute legal advice or counsel under any circumstance. Downloading and listening to this recording do not result in the formation of an attorney-client or other business relationship. You should not act on any information in the podcast without seeking the advice of a competent attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction.